another good morning to you. My name is Hannah. I'm also one of the pastors on staff here at New Hope. It's good to be with you. Tuesdays here at New Hope are staff meeting days. So throughout the week, we kind of have different schedules and different things that we're working on in and out of the building. But Tuesdays, we all come together and we start our morning off with what we call God sightings, like ways that we've seen God at work in the community the previous week. And then we break off into our little small groups and we pray together. This particular Tuesday, just a couple of days ago, I was in the middle of writing this sermon on praying together. And I found myself, when I knew it was time to break up into our little small groups, I found myself getting a little, like, irritated. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm, like, kind of stressed out about the message. It's a little bit, I'm a little stuck in it right now. I I would totally just rather, like, go get to work on writing my introduction and, like, getting going. Like, I just don't have, like, the energy or focus or time to pray together right now. I just got to get working on this message on praying together. So God smiled and gave me an introduction to the message through that experience. Isn't that lovely? If you're like me, I think we know as followers of Jesus that we ought to pray. And I think we know that we ought to pray together. But when the rubber meets the road, it can be hard to prioritize that. It can be hard to feel like that's the thing that I want to do with my time right now. I wonder you know, why that is, why we think often, like, what's even happening in our prayers? Is God really here? Is this really worth the time? All those questions can kind of float through my head, our heads, I think. Or maybe you're just here and you're like, I've actually never prayed with anyone. So this is like a new concept to me. Or maybe you have prayed with with a group of people today or before and you're like, that was just a really awkward experience. I have no interest in doing that again. So wherever we're at today in this topic of praying together, we're going to dive into the scriptures and kind of see why, as followers of Jesus, are we called to pray together and how are some ways that we can do that. It was uh, pretty funny when our programming team got together to brainstorm this topic. We were like super quick to jump in with like funny prayer stories. Emily on, on our team was like, it's funny how when we pray, it's like we're all, we all get really concerned. Like, oh, I hope God is listening. I need to keep getting his attention. Have you ever noticed that when we pray, like after every sentence, we say, we like address God formally. Like, God, I pray for this. And Lord Jesus, thank you for this. And, and Holy Spirit, I ask for this. And God, thank you. And Jesus, thank you. And how we keep repeating God. Like, okay, just making sure you're still there, right? I'm guilty of that. And then Josh on our team uh, told me about prayer shot blocking. Have you heard of that? I hadn't either, so I had to look it up on YouTube. So prayer shot blocking is like you're in a group of people praying, and one person is sitting there like, God, would you give me, would you please give me a new car? And then the person next to them is like, God, would you just give everyone in the group um, just a deep sense of contentment? So the car prayer is, you know, like floating up to heaven and then the contentment prayer and boom, just shot blocks it. (laughs) I think we've all seen that or maybe been guilty of that before. Lots of funny things that happen when we pray together. Today we're finishing up a seven-week series called Together, where we've been looking at what does it mean to do life in community in a world that's becoming farther and farther apart and more and more marked by isolation and loneliness. 
At the start of this series, we talked about intimacy and how to cultivate connection and belonging in relationships by, by coming out of hiding and risking vulnerability. In the last few weeks, we looked at how we can practice our corporate togetherness, what it looks like to serve together, to overcome our differences, to worship together. And today, we're going to look at praying together. I think when it comes to praying together, those same like, concepts of vulnerability that we've talking, been talking about coming out of hiding and all that stuff, the same is true in prayer. In fact, I think it's like some of the most vulnerable space because we're coming together before God who knows us, who knows our hearts. We can't have any pretense or pretending before God, or we can try to, but it doesn't go very far. So we come out of hiding when we pray together. It can be a pretty vulnerable thing. It's true when we pray alone, and it's true when we pray in community. One of the defining characteristics of the early church was their commitment to praying with one another. The scriptures, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts here in a few minutes. The book of Acts uses this phrase that I think is great. They continually devoted themselves to prayer, which is helpful for me because like on Tuesday morning, it's not exactly what I wanted to do. I had to continually devote myself to praying together. And we have this rhythm in our community that even when I'm not feeling like it, even when I don't feel like it's, it's how I want to prioritize my time, our staff community has this rhythm of continually devoting ourselves to prayer. So it doesn't so much matter what I'm feeling on a certain day. I just get to participate in this rhythm of something that I know and believe is deeply important and, and means things in our world, but often in ways that I can't quite understand or, or maybe more accurately ways that I can't control. Today we're going to look at Acts 4. We're going to start in verse 23, so you can open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And we're going to look at an example of the early followers of Jesus practicing in that rhythm of continually devoting themselves to prayer, of praying together. But before we jump into that story, I want to give us a little context. So Peter and John are two early disciples of Jesus. They were with Jesus throughout his ministry, and now they were leading the early church. Peter and John are, way, are on their way to the temple one day to pray. And outside the temple, they encounter a man who can't walk and who is in, outside of the temple begging. So Peter and John are like, hey, we don't have any money to give you, but we can heal you. How does that sound? And the guy's like, yeah, sounds great. So they heal him. And as you can imagine, that created a lot of hype and kind of ruckus in the community. And Peter starts preaching the message of Jesus and the healing and the wholeness that is found in Jesus, and 5,000 Jewish people in the community come to faith in Jesus because of that witness and that testimony of faith in Christ. Now, the Jewish leaders and the temple priests nearby, they weren't so thrilled about all of this ruckus. In fact, they were a little bit threatened or enormously threatened by what Peter and John were preaching. So they actually put Peter and John in jail and, and threatened them, hey, if you keep spreading this message of Jesus, like, your lives are on the line. You need to cut this out. They finally let Peter and John go, but not without further threats. And so that's the context that we're going to jump in and we see this community praying together. That's the context, the backdrop of this story. So we'll start in verse 23. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 
You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When Peter and John healed the man outside the temple and the 5,000 Jewish people committed themselves to Jesus, it was a sure sign to the Jewish leaders and the religious priests that something was happening beyond their control. Like I said, that would have been enormously threatening to them. It's likely that those Jewish leaders and priests were, were trying to honor God by upholding this system and this, this structure of the temple that God had ordained for them. But it's also likely that they had gotten pretty comfortable with the power and the status and the control that that structure offered to them. And they weren't able to see beyond that, that God was doing something outside of that. God was doing something new in Jesus And the early followers of Jesus, they didn't want to grow silent about that, even in the face of opposition. So they gathered together and they prayed. First, we see in verse 23 that John and Paul, or uh, John and Peter, that they shared with one another what was really going on so that they could call their community to come alongside together, alongside one another in prayer. Then as a community, they turned their focus from the issue of the threats that they were experiencing to God. Essentially saying, God, you made the whole world and everything in it. You knew exactly what opposition Jesus would face, and you're not surprised by the opposition that we are experiencing now. We know that you see us. And in verse 29, they sought God's strength, not their own, to keep moving forward even in the face of hardship. God, we trust you. We trust that you see us, and we need your help. Do what only you can do and equip us to participate in what you're doing. Help us keep moving forward. And finally, God did show them that God was with them. He empowered them to respond in faith. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's a pretty remarkable story of One, God moving powerfully through prayer, but two, that we get to see this community continually devoted to praying together. Peter and John, they could have stayed up all night strategizing, kind of figuring out what they were going to do with this new circumstance, or they could have brought together the smartest people in the room and made a a game plan for what they were going to do, but they didn't do that. Instead, they gathered together their community and they prayed. Why? Why did they choose to do that? I think this story offers us a couple of compelling reasons why we ought, as followers of Jesus, to continually devote ourselves to prayer. That's what we're going to look at today is that why, but also somehow some opportunities to pray together as a community. 
You ready to look at them? Good, you guys are more like responsive than the first service. They were like, okay, well, we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> first, we pray together to remember that we're not alone. I was with a friend last week who's going through a pretty tough time, and she's been in a tough season for a couple of years now, some health issues and things like that. And she was sharing with me how she's just discouraged and tired that when people ask how she's doing, she still says, not well. She's tired of having to kind of constantly give that report that, yep, I'm still struggling, still here. Not only just tired from, from the, the sickness, but tired of having to just kind of be that person. Any of you, when you have a friend or someone you love going through a tough time, there's that kind of compulsion, that temptation to just want to fix it. Like you just want to make it better. Kind of makes us confront our own helplessness. And like ugh. sometimes we, we get into those circumstances where there's just nothing that we can do to fix it. That we find ourselves in situations that are beyond, beyond our control. Probably because I was writing this message on prayer, I asked my friend, hey, can, can I pray with you? And she agreed, so we prayed together over on Northwest 23rd on a rainy day in Portland on the sidewalk. And after we prayed, she looked up at me and she said, oh, I forget that I can ask for that. I forget that I can ask for that. When we pray together, we remember that we're not alone. Peter and John knew this, and in the midst of a crisis, they gathered together as a community to strengthen their faith that God was with them and that they were in this together. How many of us, when things get tough or challenging, we kind of armor up, put our head down, and just try and, like, muscle through it alone? Anyone else? Or maybe it's not that extreme for you. Maybe you're just like my friend that you forget that you can reach out to someone and ask for help. Reach out to someone to come alongside you in prayer. I want to invite, that, uh, invite us this week to give that a try. To ask someone, hey, can I pray with you? Or maybe, hey, would you pray with me? I'm a pastor and I can still find that like super hard and uncomfortable. I don't want to be awkward or disrupt things or make someone feel weird or anything like that. But I think that's exactly how the evil one in this world would want us to think in keeping us apart. There's this great scene in Harry Potter, outing myself as a Harry Potter fan. Oh, woohoo. Uh, <laughs> there's this great scene that, oh, just like gets me every time, and I think about it often when it, around this topic of togetherness. Harry is feeling super alone, and he's feeling like no one believes his story that Lord Voldemort, you know who, is the, the evil villain in the story, that he's back in power. Very few people are believing him. And so he and his, this quirky classmate, Luna Lovegood, are out for a walk in the forest one day. And Luna talks to Harry and is like, I believe you, you know. And, and Harry's like, well, you're probably the only one who does. And Luna just waits and says, hmm. I don't think that's true. But I suppose that's how he wants you to feel. If I were you know who. I'd want you to feel cut off from everyone else because if it's just you alone, you're not as much of a threat. How much wisdom is in those words? If it's just us alone, we're not as much of a threat. We've spent this whole series talking about how we're not meant to do this life thing alone. 
And when we pray together, we remember that we're not, that we are in this together. Second thing that I think we can learn from this passage, this story in Acts 4, is that we pray together to remember who we are. So for centuries, Jewish people related to God in and through the temple. The temple was the place where God's justice and righteousness was on display for the world. It was where God's kingdom was on earth as it is in heaven. God brought life and healing to the world through the temple. But now, with the resurrection of Jesus and the promise of the Holy Spirit, God was making a new home, a new dwelling place, kind of a mobile one. Us, our lives, and our hearts, we now are the temple. So the early followers of Jesus were living out this radical new reality. They were God's temple. They were God's dwelling place. It was through their prayers that God wanted to bring healing and justice and righteousness to the world. First Peter chapter 2 puts it this way. As you come to him, the living stone, referring to Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual temple of the Spirit to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's easy to get into to rhythms and routines of life that kind of can distract us or even dim our deepest purpose and sense of identity. And when we pray together, we remember our identity and our mission to be God's temple in the world. It's no longer the role of a high priest like the ones who were so threatened by this whole Jesus thing. That this mission of God's, of, of God's healing and justice and righteousness that ministry belongs to us. As followers of Jesus, we are the royal priesthood. We pray for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So praying together isn't just something that we should do. Praying together helps us remember and helps us be who we really are. Now, when we do pray together and do come together as God's temple, we don't have to all look the same. If we were all the same in the ways that we engaged God in prayer, we wouldn't reflect the beauty and the diversity of God that God wants to. God wants to reveal who he is, and it takes all of our diverse creative expressions to, to show that, to reveal God to the world. I was out for a walk on Mount Tabor a couple of days ago and was just thinking about this and the diversity of God, and I was looking at the oak trees and the evergreens and the slugs and the birds and ferns and plants and so much diversity in God's creation, right? And that's just the Pacific Northwest, not to mention, like, kangaroos and stuff like that. God loves diversity and creativity and wants that to be expressed and present in prayer, Often I'll get like pictures or images that kind of come to mind when I'm wrestling through something or when I'm kind of trying to engage with God on something. And then for a while I didn't think much of that. But then in college I remember a friend kind of tapping my shoulder and being like, you know, Hannah, those, those pictures and images you get, I think that's a way that you and God talk to each other. I think that's a kind of prayer. And that just like blew my mind. I had this really contained idea of what prayer was, and honestly, I just always felt like I was falling short of that particular vision of what prayer was. Anyone else feel like, well, no, I don't pray enough. I just want to free us to imagine 
and to participate, how, to imagine how we can participate with God in prayer that, are, that fits who we are and how God has created us to be. There's no right or wrong in the ways that we attune toward God, the ways that we create space for God to speak into our lives. Prayer can be silent. Prayer can be loud. It can be a list. It can be a painting. It can be dancing or building. It could be going for a walk. It could be a conversation. It could be something that we recite. It could be scripture. It could be spontaneous. Prayer can be as diverse as the beautiful creation that we see around us. And I think it activates so much joy and excitement when we start to expand our imagination for what prayer can be as a community. God doesn't want a specific formula when it comes to prayer, not alone and not in community. God just wants you. God just wants us as a community as we really are. Lyndall Bywater, who's a teacher and a prayer leader in the UK, she puts it this way. I thought about doing this in an English accent, but I'll spare you. <laughs> when I am the person God made me to be, with all that means, with all my quirks and foibles, all the things that make me most me, in that place, God can use me most powerfully. When we pray together, we remember who we are. We are God's temple being built together with precious, unique, living stones. We pray together to remember who we are. And finally, we pray together to exercise our faith. The followers of Jesus in Acts, they ask God for boldness, for God to move among them powerfully, to show up with healings and signs and wonders in order to confirm, like, God, we need to know that you're actually in this thing. This is taking a lot of courage and faith. Like, help us know that you're with us in this. And God totally showed up. The whole place shook, right, which was a sign of God's presence. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and empowered to speak the message of Jesus with boldness. It's a pretty effective prayer time, I think, yeah? Is that how all of your prayer times go? Yeah, me either. Maybe sometimes. There's room for all different kinds of experiences when we come together in prayer. Sometimes God will move up, will move in a powerful and clear way. Sometimes we'll feel like the room shakes figuratively or literally. But sometimes the room may just feel pretty normal, pretty regular, or maybe even stale and still. Sometimes we'll pray and ask God to move in healing ways. We'll, we'll ask God for healing, and sometimes healing will happen. And sometimes it won't. And sometimes we'll ask for God to move in a particular way and, and show up in this way, and sometimes we'll be able to clearly see how God is present and active in that situation. And sometimes we won't. There's room for all of those different kinds of experiences in prayer. Honestly, I struggled for a couple hours on how to communicate this part of the message because prayer is still a super mysterious thing to me. And it's also, like I said at the beginning of the message, it's, it can be really vulnerable. I'm saying, God, will you see this thing that I care about? Can I trust you with it? Will you show up in this? And sometimes I'll get to see the way God does and sometimes not. And, and my brain will kind of start to spiral into all sorts of what ifs. What if I pray and, and ask for God to do this and it doesn't happen? What will happen to me? What will, how will I that will change my relationship with God? Da, da, da. All sorts of what ifs. And I think 
the Apostle Peter knew that in the passage that we just read about uh, being built into the uh, temple of the Spirit. Just directly after that, he writes this in 1 Peter. In Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. When we pray together, we're exercising our faith in God, not just in outcomes. We're recognizing the reality that nothing is truly fully in our control and that we need something or we need someone who is more faithful than outcomes to rely on. When we come in prayer together, we realize that that control is an illusion. It's my favorite illusion, but that it's an illusion. And that we need to, to come and submit ourselves before God and, and exercise our faith in God. But sometimes, like on Tuesday of this week, I don't really want to exercise my faith. I don't really want more faith. I just want to fix it. And I just want control. And I just want to figure things out. And I feel like that will be much more effective use of my time. But the beautiful thing about coming together in prayer is that it doesn't depend on how much faith I feel like I'm bringing on a particular day. It doesn't, feel, it doesn't depend on how I'm feeling on a particular day. When we pray together, we get, together, we get to come together as a community, and I get to participate in the faith of the community, making this like net that I just get to be strengthened by and supported in. And sometimes maybe I am feeling more full of faith, and I get to help be that net for others, that we get to be a community of faith together, where it's not just up to us, but we get to participate in something bigger than ourselves. When we pray together, we exercise our faith as a community. So as we've been talking about prayer now for a couple of minutes here, I want to also start to share about some opportunities that we have as a community to practice this whole thing of praying together. Next week, John will be starting a series on the last words of Jesus before his crucifixion. It'll lead us up through the season of Lent and into Easter. The season of Lent will start on Wednesday, February 26th, and it will last 40 days. And Lent is, is traditionally a season marked by prayer and fasting, creating rhythms and creating space in our, in our lives to connect and be with God. And so we want to participate in Lent this year in kind of a unique way as a community. And every Wednesday morning throughout the season of Lent, we are going to be opening up the church building to create a space for praying together. It'll be led by one of our, one of our staff members here. It's going to be from 6.30 a.m. to 7.15 a.m. But I promise there will be coffee if that's intimidating to any of you. But my hope is that as we come together in prayer, we can experience some of these things that, that we're talking about today, that we can remember that we're not alone, that we can, we can remember who we really are as the temple of God as we come together, and that we can exercise our faith as a community, which is fitting for this season of Lent, devoting ourselves to prayer. But also, as a, as a staff, we, we feel compelled by God in this season. It's kind of unique for us as a church. We're, we're about to embark on a pretty major transition as a community, and there's some, some excitement, but also probably some fear around that. And so we believe that it's, it's a pretty opportune time for us to come together as a community and to continually devote ourselves to prayer in this season. 
So that's going to be on Wednesday morning, starting not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, the 26th, 6.30 a.m. here at the church. Looking forward to seeing you all there. <laughs> but secondly, I'd also love to give us an opportunity to pray together right now, today. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he shared with them what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. You're probably familiar with some version of it. If not, it'll be on the screen, but it goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debtors, just as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You caught on. That's exactly what I was going to ask you to do, is to participate. Good job. Let's go through that one more time and pray that. But, but before we do, I want you to take a moment and just look around the room. Look around and realize that it's okay. You can like actually turn your head and look around. <laughs> so often when we come to church and we sit in our pew and face forward, we can feel like we're in this little like tube of a relationship with God. We forget that we're a motley crew here. We're all coming together to figure this Jesus thing out. And so as we pray this prayer to... I want us to remember that we're not just praying it as an individual for our particular world, but we're praying it together as a community for all the world that we touch in our, various, our various lives. Okay, are you ready? Let's give it another go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. As we wrap up today, I want you to open up your Bibles again to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to look at the section just following the passage that we read earlier. So all the followers of Jesus had prayed together, asked God to move powerly. God showed up, empowered them to, to continue to speak the message of Jesus boldly in the midst of threats. And then we read in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Communities that grow in prayer, they grow in love. Essentially, throughout this whole series on Together, what we've been talking about is love. What gets in the way of love, and how can we find our way back there together? This picture from, from Acts of the early followers of Jesus shows us a glimpse of what that kind of community rooted in love can look like. It looks like taking care of one another. It looks like coming alongside each other. It looks like equity. It looks like being the grace of God to one another. And being that kind of community isn't something that's just going to happen passively overnight. That's what we've been looking at over these last seven weeks. It takes coming out of hiding. It takes showing up 
and it takes continually devoting ourselves to prayer. Would you pray with me now? God, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you're with us when we feel you and you're with us when we don't. And that you're, you reveal yourself to us in a beautiful and unique way through community. Would you help us see this week ways that we can participate in what you're doing as we pray for one another, as we pray together? Would you meet us as we gather on Wednesday mornings to seek you in the midst of this next season as a community? We're grateful for the, all the different ways that you want us to engage you in relationship. We're grateful that you just want us as we are. That we don't have to explain anything to you, that we don't have to pretend with you. We just get to be with you. And we thank you that we get to be with you together. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.